The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. God, stop, giddy up. Welcome to Failure to Stop True Crime Tuesday. That's right, switching it up tonight. Something a little bit different, taking a new approach to true crime. Going into a little season two, introducing to you guys, Kendra J-Rama. <laughs> Did Hello. I say that right? Did I say that right? Kendra J-Rama? Is it J-Rama? I feel like it's a rap name. Is that a rap name? <laughs> it's not a rap name. Um, it's drama. So it's from it's Entourage. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn. I wish I was yeah, uh, pop yeah, culture yeah. enough to know. But guys, you're tuning in for the first time. This is the Failure Stop Podcast channel. We got a new host for True Crime Tuesday tonight. She's a former police officer out of the Orlandildo area. Uh, and her name is Kendra Drama. She's got a hell of a story for us tonight. It's uh, the Gerard Schaefer case, also known as the Killer Cop. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash wolfback. Sleep so good it's scary. It's literally scary. Because you might not wake up ever. I'm just kidding. I've slept on a ghost bed for the last two years. Woken up every single morning, bright and early, feeling refreshed. I always say that mental wellness starts with a good night's sleep. And that's why we're proud to partner with Ghost Bed. They've got the cooling sheets. So if you stay hot like they do in Florida, melting away to all the climate change and the global warming, you can stay cool with the cooling pillows, the cooling sheets, the cooling bed toppers, the cooling mattress at GhostBed.com. Using the promo code uh, Wolfpack, these are amazing beds. They're huge supporters of first responders, and they've been our number one sponsor since day freaking one. We couldn't be happier to be partnered with such an awesome and amazing company. We also have FactorMeals.com tonight. FactorMeals.com. Promo code there is Wolfpack50. Listen, while all your squad mates are eating like peasants in the uh, squad room, in their PB and J's, their bologna sandwiches, they're spamming honey, whatever it is, using the microwave for 20 plus minutes because their wife made six day old spaghetti in a Playtex glass dish. You can hit up with a factor meal. You can choose from 300 and something odd uh, menu items. Put that bad boy in the microwave. Could be all the cheap Walmart microwaves that your uh, squad rooms have. And two minutes is all you need. And these are picked meals that you pick that are prepared by chefs, delivered to your door in a little freezer pack. I don't even know how they compete with the grocery stores. They have salmon. They have chicken. They have the vegetarian options, the protein-heavy options. They have the calorie-conscious options if you're up on a, a diet. But you can get like a 50% off trial run right now at FactorMeals.com, promo code Wolfpack50. Don't eat like a peasant. Eat like a king. Eat, uh, you know, just because you're, what is it? Just because you're middle class doesn't mean you have to act like it, right? <laughs> You don't have to act middle class. You can act. You can act like the elites, uh, minus the diddling of children. Uh, but no, super shout out to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate it, uh, Kendra. Before we get started, uh, you you wanted this job. You wanted to come in here. You wanted to be a true crime podcaster. You were a cop. What made you want to do true crime? Well, I've always really liked the spooky, creepy, like fucked up shit that we see. In law enforcement and listening to it in this on this platform, this type of media has always been really, really fascinating to me. And I just feel like I could do a good job. Now, I don't want to judge you right off the bat. I don't like to judge folks, but I'm going to try to prejudge you. Are you the uh, you're the cop that decorates her locker for Halloween, aren't you? 
Oh yeah. You're that one that's got like the cobwebs on the, the locker and the Sarge is like, who's got the fucking cobwebs and the spiders on the locker in there? Uh, all year long. <laughs> all year long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you got how many tattoos you got? I know you got tattoos. Uh one, two, three, four, five. I lost I track. Knew it. Yeah. I fucking knew it. How many piercings? Uh just two. Oh, but okay. I'm working on more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you look true crime. You look the part. Dude, your set looks amazing. What is that back there? Thank is that you. like a seance? Is that a seance? Were we doing seances tonight? Uh, I got my sage over here, so we can if you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush anymore here. We've got the Gerard Schaefer, the killer cop. Um, uh, for those of you who are just tuning in again, uh, we are a podcast channel. We deliver five free shows a week, five freebies for all you first responders to keep you guys informed and entertained. And we just brought on a sixth show called the anti-hero podcast, the anti-hero podcast. You can search them out anytime, anywhere. We want to get them on the charts desperately by October. So we're in the process of bringing them over. They're in the process of a rebrand at the moment. Delta Force operator and a street cop, again, from the Orlando Dildo area. We brought them on because they are raging right now. They're all the rage in the street cop talk genre. We would love to see them with us on the charts. And so they're under the C-minus media thing. They kind of sold out. <laughs> Just kidding. Tyler, if you're <laughs> listening, they're not sellouts. Jesus. But she works behind the scenes for the Antihero podcast. And they were like, yo, we've got a girl that works behind the scenes. And those of you who have been following Phil and your Stop know that everybody that's ever worked behind the scenes with us, Josh, John, Elijah, has always made their way to being a host. It's the natural progression of things. And they were like, yo, you should give uh, you should give her a shot at doing some true crime. Basically, she looks like she's probably, sounds like maybe she's probably committed true crime in her day. That's how <laughs> perfect she is for true crime. And I said, dude, I'm all in. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Let's give it a shot. So um, uh, you guys, please go over to the Anti-Hero Podcast. Check those guys out and leave them a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That's the only way they're going to get to the charts. Listening time and a rating and review. So go over and listen to them and then give them the five-star rating and review. And don't forget tomorrow we're going live with Conservative Anthony for Night Shift Top Secret Information, uh, Project Stargate, and that's live at 6.30 just before Com Center. And this will be the only time that that show ever goes live, and it'll be forever on Sundays after that. But for a special two for Thursday on, on Thursday, uh, you're going to want to tune into the YouTubes at 6.30 p.m. to catch Anthony live one time. And you'll never see him live again. Always be pre-recorded. I'm just kidding. There might be a chance you see him live again. Uh, and then we have a meetup coming up in October. It will be down in the Orlando area to meet our new podcast buddies um, and link up with Conservative Anthony, Drew Breezy, the guys from Team South Florida, uh, all the other things. So uh, put on your calendar October. We don't have an exact date yet, but we'll let you know then. And that is it for the housekeeping. I'm turning it over to you. I'm going to shut the fuck up and let you do you. All right. So... As you said, um, Gerard Schaefer is a killer cop from Florida, so I figured that would be a good first case, a little Florida spooky true crime. Um, I'll just hop right in and start with his uh, early life. He was born in 1946 in Wisconsin to parents Gerard Schaefer Sr. and Doris Schaefer. He's the oldest of three kids with a brother and a sister. Um, they moved from Wisconsin to Atlanta, where he was raised until he was in high school. And in 1960, the family moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, Schaefer describes his early childhood as turbulent and conflictual because, 
Yeah, I don't know if that's a word, but that's what he said. Conflictual. Did you make that up? <laughs> I don't know. That's what he said. <laughs> um, but he said that it was rough because his dad was abusive, alcoholic, chronic adulterer. He was never home. Um, uh, it sounds like it was his dad a cop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but the few, the little time that he was home, uh, Schaefer would say that he showed blatant favoritism toward his sister and was abusive to him and his brother, which, I mean, the next logical step, he wanted to be a girl, right? I mean, that's what he says. <laughs> he wanted to be oh. a girl and he wanted to hurt himself because his dad liked his sister more. It sounds very emo, doesn't it? Very emo. Very, very emo. So he just wanted his dad's approval. So he dressed like a, a, a woman <laughs> He specifically cites wearing women's underwear, and as early as the age of 12, he started having homicidal fantasies of hurting women and hurting himself. He would tie himself to trees. I mean, he was just, like, really messed up. Yeah. So this behavior escalates into his teenage years, and he starts spying on people in there. He's a peeping Tom, essentially. So, Yeah. And this is when he's in Florida. So he's, he's in high school. He's a peeping Tom. You know, I had a sergeant and his pet peeve was <laughs> peeping Tom's. I thought you were going to say he was a peeping Tom. Well, it's like, well. might've been, but no, he was like, it, you know, we don't really get a lot of peeping Tom calls. I don't know if you did when you were a cop. I probably maybe had two, but my sergeant was like, if it was a peeping Tom call, he wanted you to go all in and finding him. I mean, he wanted like, the National Guard to find the guy. Because yeah. he says that peeping Toms <laughs> always escalate to like serial killers. They absolutely do. And um, that's the this guy's progression, obviously. Um, but he favored his neighbor, Lee Bonadies. Um, She was his age, went to a different school, but they lived next door. And he would watch her get dressed in the window at night. Um, and he blames her for this. And calls her you know a slut she wanted it she knew i was watching all probably a lie but this is what he says so he's getting older this thing this stuff is progressing and getting weirder he has a couple of girlfriends through high school but they all fail miserably because he's a creep and a lot of them report that he would force these like rape fantasies on them and they didn't obviously (laughs) want to do that that's every girl's <laughs> fantasy, though, right? Like, doesn't every girl <laughs> fantasize about being raped? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> His girlfriends might, I guess. I don't know. But um, <laughs> so he, he goes through high school. Um, once he graduates, he's kind of flopping around. He doesn't really know what he wants to do. These types usually are, they can't fit in anywhere. He's a complete sociopath. So he's going from job to job and college to college. And he tries to become a priest. He fails out of that. Um, he goes to be a teacher. He gets, again, fails out of that. Like, how do you fail at being a priest? You just can't memorize the scriptures or something? Uh, might have something to do with the raping. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what they liked in the churches these days. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, my Catholic mother is listening to this. Oh, I'm exploding. sorry, Mom. <laughs> it's okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so anyway, he's he's failing out of all these things. He gets... he finds a girl to marry him in 1969 and 
that flopped again. A year later, she files for divorce claiming excessive cruelty. Go figure. Um, what's interesting about that is in 1969, Lee, his neighbor that he was peeping on, she goes missing. Um, her husband finds a note claiming to that she's gone to Miami to talk to Schaefer about a job that he'd offer her in the CIA or something like that. Um, so, okay. yeah, she obviously never returns. Um, nine years later, her remains are located in Boca Raton, which is kind of close to Fort Lauderdale, um, but it's just south, I believe, of Fort, La Fort Lauderdale. Um, she's found, but her remains are not identified until 2004. So all this time has gone by, and they actually believe that Schaefer obviously had something to do with it, but he was never convicted of that. So um, all these, anyway, all these failed attempts at careers and relationships, he takes a real hard left and decides, I'm going to be a cop. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I get, like, that's kind of plan <laughs> B for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I can't make it as a, as, as a priest. No. Can't make it. I'll just be a cop, you know? Yeah, somebody will take me. Well, he applied to multiple agencies. Um, the first one, he actually failed the psych test. Um, shockingly. You know, it sounds like the Dennis Perkins case. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dennis Perkins case. We covered it a long time ago, but he was a shitty cop mm. like in 2019 um, that did like horrific things to kids. I'll tell you later, but because we've already done a show, but like he failed his psych test and still gets in as a cop. Now, listen, Florida's not an easy place to be a cop. Like you guys have some pretty big agencies out there that have pretty high standards. Well, like how do you fill your psych test and become a cop? I mean, this was the 70s, and oh, I guess that's. True. I mean, it was still pretty good old boy back then, so I don't know. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, it like, is it's probably like South Florida, like like you know those swamp towns down there, probably in the 70s. Oh yeah, yeah. I get yeah. It. yeah. So he fails the psych at I think it was Broward. It was either Broward or Brevard County. Um, they don't take him on, but he does get hired at Wilton Manors Police Department, which is like a small town in Martin yeah. County. Um, this obviously doesn't last long. He gets fired in April of 1972, a year after he was hired. Um, <laughs> he he claims it was a personality conflict between him and a captain that was there. Um, he was doing traffic, and he pulled this lady over for speeding, writes her a ticket. Well, back then, I guess apparently, you could take your ticket to the captain of whatever precinct, and if you paid them... The fine, they would dismiss the ticket. Um, yeah. And Schaefer didn't like that because this lady worked for the courthouse. So him being a man of morals, he's like, this is wrong. I don't like this. And he goes and applies to Martin County Sheriff's Office. Well, naturally, they're going to ask him, hey, why are you leaving to come here? He tells them that story. And the sheriff calls Wilton Manners is like, hey, your boy's over here talking shit. And they fired him immediately for going over there and applying. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, that was in April of 72. So June of 72, he's hired on at the Martin County Sheriff's Office. He is there for one month and he encounters a couple of hitchhikers. Um, 
just trying to catch a ride. He stops out with them and he's like, hey, what you're doing is illegal, even though it wasn't. And he's like, let me take you back to where you came from. These two hitchhikers were 17-year-old Pamela Wells and 18-year-old Nancy Trotter. He's driving them back to their half, they called it a halfway house, but I think I think a halfway house was more like a, like an Airbnb back then, kind of, because they'd only been in town for two days. They were young girls just traveling. So he takes them back. He says, hey, um, you're new in town. I'm a nice guy. Let me take you, show you around tomorrow. And they were like, yeah, sure. So, I mean, at this point, you're like, this is like the girl going into the basement in the horror movie. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Go do- don't go down there, you know? Like, don't go yeah. in the sky. Um, but I mean... But he's in uniform, right? He's Right. He's a deputy. These girls are young. They're like, yeah. this is a safe guy. He's nice. Yeah. He's kind of their age. He's like 26 years old, decent maybe looking, charming. Know, maybe they didn't know they were a badge bunny. And then they see him and they're like, oh, you know what? He got him like young. Yeah. Kinda yeah. I like this guy. How young were these <laughs> girls, you said? 17 and 18. Very young. What was the uh, age of limit? What was this? Well, I don't know. What's the age of limitations back then? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Somebody in the chat said they're still doing lobotomies in the seventies. Is that true? Does somebody know that? Is that true? Anyway, if that's true, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, they were still doing lobotomies in the seventies. It wouldn't surprise um, me. Uh, so the eight so but i mean like the one's 18 maybe he's got eyes for the 18 year old you know this i mean how how old can he be at this point he's 26 oh yeah that's perfect age right yeah. yeah it's not bad 18 and 26 yeah he's already divorced cop i mean oh yeah well duh 26 for sure there you go every yeah. cop's on his first divorce by 26 <laughs> i don't think 18's too young if you're 26 what's the uh what's your biggest age gap that's acceptable to me no, yeah, or like the, what's the what's the oldest dude that you like what what was the biggest age gap of a guy you ever dated? 6 years? Yeah, so 18, 19, 20, 21. So this is only like what, 8 years difference? Yeah, that's fine. I don't know that that's, that's creepy. Fine. I don't know if 18 and 26 is creepy. Maybe 18 and 28. 28's probably when it becomes creepy. No? Yeah, maybe 10 years. I'm not sure. It depends. I don't years? Yeah, I guess it depends. <laughs> But like, what if she's 40 and he's 30? Hmm? Yeah, or see, he's that's 40 fine. and she's 30. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I say just so, don't, if you're over 25, don't get with any girls that are younger than like 24. Because the, the women's brains, yeah. they don't develop until, that's fully <laughs> developed until 24. I mean, it's probably just a good rule of thumb is just to <laughs> don't go below 24. Yeah. <laughs> So, All right, so anyway. they trust him and they're going to go with him? Yep. So he shows up the next morning, um, picks him up, and he's like, we're going to go to a place called Jensen Beach, which is uh, a couple miles away from where they're staying. And he's driving along, but he doesn't take him to Jensen Beach. He takes him to a place called Hutchinson Island, which is just north of Jensen Beach. It's a swampy, secluded area. Um, he parks the, the car. of Jensen Beach. Right. Yeah, the Walmart version. Jensen Beach is like, yeah, nice. And he takes him to this. So he pulls up, parks a car, gets them out at gunpoint, handcuffs them, gags them, marches them back into the woods to uh, this giant oak tree that is now called the Devil's Tree. And you can actually still go there and 
do whatever you, you want to do there. Yo, we got to go because we're yeah. going down there in October. We got to go. We got to go to the devil's tree. Yep. It's like a tourist thing now. People go there all the time. That's so, kind of sick. That's yeah. kind of sick. Fuck those tourists. I'll tear <laughs> them. I'll tear them. them. It's a spooky uh, attraction. Well, no, but. so like he doesn't even wine and dine these girls. He just straight up's like, let's go to the beach. Nope, not today, bitch. Going yep. to the fucking swamps. Going, Going to, to the, the devil's tree. Yeah. So. Damn, couldn't even buy him dinner first. I know. What an asshole. So <laughs> he takes them out to this tree. Um, again, they're handcuffed, gagged. He makes them stand on like the root system underneath the tree, puts nooses around their necks, throws a rope up over the tree, and hoists them up to where they're just on their tiptoes. Um, and the entire time he's doing this, he's he's got a gun and he's telling them that he's going to sell them into prostitution through white slavery. That's This is what he tells them to like scare them, I guess, taunt them. So, what? yeah. So while this Was is he work, happening... Work, work, he's working for the Clintons? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not actually not Hutchinson Island. It was Epstein's Island. That's what... <laughs> So while he's doing all this, um, he gets a call on his radio. And this is kind of confusing for me because some sources said that he was working when this encounter occurred and some didn't really mention it. But either way, he had his radio, he got a call, and he left. I'm thinking he was on duty just because if you're in the middle of killing people, why would you care to go? Like if you're off duty, why would you care to leave? I don't know. But he leaves. And he comes back from that call for service and they're gone. They escaped. Somehow they got loose from the noose and they (laughs) booked it out of there. So he's like shitting a brick at this point. You know, he's like, okay, what do I do? And yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being (laughs) in the middle of a serial killing and your victims just disappear. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> we've, we've all been there. We've all been there. We know the feeling, right? I know. It's really right. shitty. It's, like, the worst. It's worse than DMV, maybe. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> so, he decides to call his sheriff, and he's like, Hey, um, I've done something really foolish, is what he says. You're going to be really mad at me. <gasps> That's what he tells him. And he what? says... Yeah. He just calls him, because he knew he got caught. I mean, he knew he was done. So, he just called a sheriff, um... Who, by the way, Sheriff Bob Crowder, he was, he'd been appointed by the governor that year because the previous sheriff had been suspended and he was like the youngest sheriff in the state. So he gets appointed a sheriff and immediately has to deal with one of his guys like doing this like crap. I was like, oh, I felt bad for that guy. But. (laughs) Oh my God. So this guy comes out with it to his supervisor? Yeah. The sheriff? Yeah. He called the sheriff. Not his sergeant. He called the actual sheriff and was right, like, hey, man. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, he tells them that the reason why he did what he did was because he was trying to teach them a lesson on what could happen if they were hitchhiking, <laughs> which is total fucking bullshit. I mean, Dude. he's Dude, like, I'm I gonna... didn't I wasn't going to hurt him, hurt them. I just wanted them to know <sighs> what was. And he maintained that story to the day that he died. Like he never admitted to having any intention of hurting them at all which is such like yeah that's a normal yeah. reaction i'm gonna tie these girls to a tree at gunpoint yeah. and teach them uh, a yeah. lesson this is what could happen if i was a pervert this is what i would do uh if i was a, <laughs> oh, but listen i'm not but if i was a pervert i would take my penis 
And I would touch it. I mean, if I was, if I listen, I'm touching you with it, but I'm not. Okay. But if I was, this is exactly what I, this guy's I know. A he's crazy an person. He believes his lies and he's, yeah, he's an idiot. So obviously he was immediately stripped of his badge and his gun and he was arrested. Um, he was charged. He was booked and charged with two counts of aggravated assault. Um, I tried to find the, the statutes for 1972 because I felt like there would be at least like a false imprisonment or something. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Kidnapping, but, false imprisonment, uh, abuse of your badge. I mean, I could list out like a thousand charges for this asshole. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just the laws weren't like up to date yet, but it was two counts of aggravated assault. Um, he's he bonded out. He had a fifteen thousand dollar bond. He was released. So this was in July of nineteen seventy two, and in November of the same year, he goes before a court. He set he pleads guilty. He's sentenced to. I, I saw somewhere there were six months and two years probation. And what? Some, yeah, I know. And some said one year with one year in the county jail with three years probation. I think that was the correct sentence because that's what I saw the most. But regardless, he he got sentenced. He was in jail. So it's almost worth it. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking about committing an atrocity like that. But if all you're going to do is six months, just do it once. You only live once. Six months. Well worth it. That's probably why there were so many murders back then. Like the 70s were wild with this stuff. So that's probably why. Because they're like, eh. I could do 14 years. I think years. Like, the most cops ever killed in a year was in the 70s. Like still to this day, I think the 70s, like we lost more more cops than any other year. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Somebody will fact check me, I'm sure. Yeah, somebody fact check because I would like to know that actually. <laughs> but um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit in this story uh, and talk about two missing teenage girls from the area. Um, these girls went missing in September of 1972. Their names were, pa- uh, let me get this right. <laughs> I almost said Pamela Wells and Nancy Trotter, but those are the two that were just right. kidnapped. And what, like, what, what, like, what did Nancy Trotter and Pamela, like, what did they do? Did they write a book or like, you know what I mean? Like, are they No, alive? I don't even think. I don't think they even went and did any interviews or anything like that. I couldn't find anything. I tried to. Dude, um, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. To survive that? Uh, yeah. I mean, and they're they're young teenagers. Like, when I was that age, I would have been like, I'm so fucked. I'm dead. I, I would have given up. I mean, and they, <laughs> they fought their way out of that and ran to a police station. Like, it's just wild just to think about, like, the balls. Because... At any moment, he could come back, and he's got a gun. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was super... Oh, the panic must have just been intense. Plus, you're in Florida, so, like, Casey Anthony could come out at any point. Fucking alligators and panthers and all sorts of shit. Brian Landry. Florida man. Um, yeah. Florida man. Uh, skunk ape. <laughs> skunk ape lives <laughs> yeah. down there. Yes. Yes, he uh, does. <laughs> man. Yeah, so, I'm like, I'm sure that they probably didn't, you know. But the balls of this guy, though, let's still give him some credit, Kendra. He's got some Sorry. balls too doing this on duty. You know what yeah. I mean? Like pretty ballsy to do it on duty. And at least he had the balls to call the sheriff and tell him what he did. I mean, that so. just goes to show like the absolute like insanity that this guy was. He just didn't think he was going to get caught. Didn't care. And what's scary is that somebody decided to hire him. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's even, yeah, that's really sketchy. Um, 
Anyway, these two missing girls, Susan Place, 17 years old, and Georgia Jessup, 16 years old. Again, they went missing in September of 1972 from Oakland Park, which is in the same, like, Stewart, Jensen Beach area. Um, these girls came home one day and told their parents, oh, we met this really cool guy, and um, he's super nice, super smart. He's going to take us to the beach and teach us how to play guitar. His name is Jerry Shepard. And <laughs> so, yeah. Casanova so, over here, dude. Again, they're 17 and 16. So, I mean. Uh, they're getting I, younger. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting older. Yes, he's he is. 28 and a half, he's 26 and a half now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Jerry, this Jerry fellow comes um picks them up from their houses and off they go to the beach, but they never come back home. And their parents report them missing and it kind of just goes, you know, cold for a while. They just don't have any leads. Like they don't know who this Jerry guy really is. Their parents don't really know who he is, but luckily Susan's mother, she felt like something was a little off. He's like an older guy picking these girls up to go to the beach. Like, it was kind of weird to her. So she wrote down a license plate number and a description of the car that he showed up in to pick them up. So she gave the investigators this information, but it took them a while to, I guess, use it. And obviously a lot of sites that you find will say, oh, well, the investigators just didn't care. It was pure laziness. They don't they didn't give a shit, whatever, you know, the typical thing. But Susan's mother will tell a reporter from the Palm Beach Post later that she somehow got an address for this Jerry guy, but it was the wrong city. So it was the right street address, but the wrong city. And it didn't match the license plate. So it was kind of like, all right, well, these investigators don't have much to go on because, again, it's the early 70s, and I think there might have been computers that they could use, but it was really archaic, and it was kind of a smaller police department. So I doubt that they had access to this stuff. Like, now you could just put a license plate in a computer, and you've got everything you need to know about the registered right. owner. But back then, it was a little different, you know? They had to really, really dig for it. Yeah, I mean, like, they didn't even have, like, satellite imaging. And, like, imagine in Florida, and I've done a lot of work in Florida um, through the military and, and in the swamps. And you know, as a cop, right, we, we can use satellite imaging. So if we have somebody kind of run from us, we can jump on Google Maps, Google Earth, zoom in. And we've got, like, a pretty good idea of the layout of the land. Florida is so thick and so swampy that sometimes you, and I'm not exaggerating, you can't move a hundred yards in an hour through the woods yeah. because the vines and the palmettos and everything is so thick that it's like you're laying on a ghost bed of vines in the draws of Florida and the swamps of Florida. And so if you don't have things like Google imaging, um, like it's really, really difficult to navigate terrain. And so back in the old days, like if you were, you know, without this and you were a cop and, and somebody went missing in a certain area, you basically just counted off as, well, if they're in there, we'll never yeah. find them because you don't have the totality in your mind of how small it is. At least now you can look and you could be like, oh, this is really thick, but it's only 200 yards of thickness. 
They didn't have right. that back then. They just saw vast draw vines and shit, and they were like, well, mm-hmm. we'll never, ever find anybody in there. It's a lot it was, different now. Yeah, and it was very... Florida was still very wild back then. So like you said, everything was just thick scrub everywhere. Yeah. 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 Well, so Susan and her husband, going back to the license plate thing, they went to like a day outing in the Fort Pierce Stewart area. And they noticed that a lot of the license plates had the number 42. Just they kept seeing 42, 42. And uh, back then, license plates would use numbers to indicate, like, counties and cities that people lived in. Sure. So the initial address that she had gotten wrong by accident was in Fort Lauderdale. But this Jerry guy actually lived in Stewart. So once she put two and two together, she went back to the investigators. This woman's really smart. I was yeah, like, for sure. how the hell did you figure this, this is out? This her daughter, right? Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. if your daughter goes missing, you're going to get really smart really fucking quick. Yes. But the fact that she even wrote down the thought to write down the license plate. That's a good is mom. A really good mom. Right. So she goes back and reports this and they figure out that this Datsun, this Jerry fellow is actually Gerard Schaefer. So this Let's just go over the timeline real quick again, so because it's kind of confusing. Sure, He's, and before you do that, 2,344 cops killed in the 1970s. Definitely the deadliest decade. I was fucking right. Wow. That's and crazy. Isn't that nuts, though? Like, the, seriously, the 70s, you were right, is wild. Yeah, it was wild. wild. It, it was very wild. Lots of lots of shit going on. Well, MK but, Ultra, MK Ultra. Everybody was uh, on LSD. So. Was that the 70s? I thought that was earlier. Maybe know. not. I don't, know. I don't know. I have no idea. I just made that up. My my grandpa <laughs> used to be, my grandpa was a cop and he did the LSD like vice stuff back in like the 70s. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so the, the timeline is July, he encounters the girls that escaped. He bonds out. From July to November, he's free. These girls go missing in September. So while he was on bond, he murdered these girls. Total psycho. Like he just, anyway. And I'm sure he murdered more, but these are the two, you know, they went missing and all that. So anyway, he's he's in jail serving time for the escaped girls. This is April when they figure out that it was Gerard Schaefer, not Jerry Shepard. So... Invest- oh, so he just kind of yeah. changed his name ever so slightly. Because Gerard Schaefer, Jeffrey Shepard or whatever, what is it? Yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Shepard. Shepard. It all sounds, yeah. you know, very similar. Yeah, I mean, I think Jerry might be a nickname for Gerard. So, I mean, that's like... <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, my name is Derek Tensley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, in... I want to say it was February or March. Unfortunately, the remains of Susan Place and Georgia Jessup are found on Hutchinson Island, dismembered and buried. So he'd shot Susan in the face. He tied them to trees and he butchered them essentially and buried them. Um, They were identified by dental records. And then in April of, we're in 1973 now, the investigators serve a search warrant on his house where his mother and his wife were living 
which I'll get to that in a second because <laughs> I was writing this and I was like, something just struck me about that. But anyway, they're doing this search warrant and they find boxes of essentially trophies from these victims. And I have a list of things that they found. I want to read these off because it's actually pretty important. So they found Susan's bag that she had. They found three pieces of jewelry belonging to Lee Bonadies, the one that went missing in 1969, and newspaper clippings of her disappearance, a gold-filled tooth belonging to Carmen Hollick, a shamrock pin, um, and newspaper clippings from her disappearance as well, an address book belonging to Belinda Hutches, a purse belonging to Susan Place, a piece of jewelry belonging to a Mary Briscolina, a passport, a diary, and a book of poetry belonging to Colette Goodenough, might be good enough, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and a driver's license that belonged to a Barbara Wilcox. Along with that, they also found a couple of guns and knives, which isn't too unusual, but it was found with this stuff, and they found a journal that had over a hundred pages of sketches and stories that this sick asshole had written about these girls that he murdered. And I read some of them for this and it, it's, it's very gross. It's bad. He, he really, he is disgusting. It's called killer fiction. If anybody's interested, it's $9 on Kindle. That's where I got it. Oh, are so. you serious? You can buy his writings. Yeah. And that actually that goes, goes, well, um, remember Sandra London, the like yes. girlfriend. Yeah. She actually later in life reconnected with him while he was in prison and compiled this book for him and, and published it, which is kind of weird. Cause she also later was engaged to Danny Rowling, who was the Gainesville Ripper. So like, she's kind of cuckoo also. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, yeah she's got a thing she's got a she's got a thing right like she's, she's got, got a, a type she's got a type yep like, she's hey, are you got into a type. fucking killing people because if so <laughs> i'd love to suck your dick <laughs> I, I would love to watch you kill someone please Golly. yeah <laughs> oh so, sorry i forgot your mom was listening to this she's fine she'll be okay Damn. i already told her about all this anyway because i was like all excited to do this case so <laughs> she's fine I know. I should be. I should be better. I should be nicer. But let sloppy toppy will grace us in the chats. So, <laughs> so this what? So you can buy this. These you could. I've got. I have to own these now. I have to own these now. I don't want to endorse this or anything. But like, I feel like this is a book I have to read. It's it's interesting from the perspective of like trying to get inside of his head and and he writes some of these. It's obvious that he's writing about his victims. I mean, later he's like, oh, did no, he do just it like stories. OJ? Did he did it like OJ? Like, if I were to have killed Barbara, I would like, <laughs> you know, like how OJ did it. Yeah, kind of. He's like, oh, they're just fantasy stories. I would never actually do that. They're oh, not real. Yeah. But, but he really he, did it. Yeah. I mean, I've got some that like I can. OJ. I got um, I took a couple of poems from there that he actually addressed to Susan and Georgia and Susan's mom that I can read at the end of this if you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Susan's dead, though, right? Like. That's yeah, Susan one. and Georgia were the uh, murder victims. Yeah. Damn, but he so, wrote him a poem. Yeah, I mean, it was. I awful. hope in the afterlife that they have a poem for him right before he goes to hell. Like, I wonder if they've made like a deal. 
with Jesus. And they're like, yo, Jesus. Yeah. This asshole <laughs> chopped us up, did horrific things to us, and he wrote a fucking poem. Would you mind if, like, before you hit the button and send him to the, uh, th- can we read our poem? They're doing, like, a, um, what's that, the slam poetry with, like, the bongos. Slam poetry. And then they just, like, punch him into hell. Like, yeah. Spartan kick him down to hell. That would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that would be, that would be <laughs> awesome. Like, if we made a movie, we'd have to put that in there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. they discover all this stuff, and obviously they're like, oh, let's indict this guy, right? So he's, mind you, he's in jail for at the time so he's indicted he's held without bond and then he goes to trial in the fall <laughs> somebody in the chat says who arrives with hacker up shape for 1975 it's so fucking terrible <laughs> he's oh. sitting in his cell like trying to find his muse like what what rhymes with <laughs> that's so bad dude is this that's guy so still bad. alive i need a spoiler is this asshole still alive no no, oh, thank God. He, okay. he met a good. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, all right, get, I'm not going to ruin that. I just, I fucking needed to know. Yeah. Oh. He kept like he had photographs of some unknown, unidentified women and photos of him in women's clothes, which I wish I could have found, but I I couldn't get any of them. That would have been great to see the pictures. I'd fuck me. Would you? Fuck <laughs> me? I'd yeah. fuck me. Yep. I watched that the other night, by the way. It's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. It's a great movie. Great movie. So, um. What I was saying earlier about the home being the home of his wife and mother, it, it just, I just wanted to say, could you imagine being married to, he had a wife at the time, Teresa, because he, he divorced that How first wife. How did she wife. stay? Oh, okay. The, the first one left him, did the first one leave him after he strung the girls up? Uh, no. She divorced him in 1970 and he did that did in that 72. So, but the new wife was so. Th- so then, the wife stayed with him after this through the six months of being in jail. So that's what I'm saying. Like she, he got divorced from Martha Fogg, his first wife, in 1970, and then remarried the same year to this woman named Teresa Dean okay. Schaefer. All right. Um. And she stayed with him. That's what I'm saying. Like, could you imagine? Like, first of all, your husband. What. Yeah, your husband's arrested for assaulting two teenage girls. Pleads guilty, goes to jail. And not only that, I mean, she, his wife, his second wife was nineteen when they got married. So like, maybe she just wasn't like. She got the, too I don't old. know. Yeah, she <laughs> she's got to go. He's she like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> got to go. So, <laughs> but, so she like she is. Married to a man who's in jail for assaulting two teenagers and then is hanging out with his mom in April, gets a knock on the door from investigators saying like, hey, we're serving a search warrant because your husband murdered two more girls. Like, that would blow my mind because, I mean, he was a, I don't know, he was a deputy when they got married. So it's like, damn, I wonder if she was like, you never, you never strung me up on a tree. (laughs) You never, uh gagged me like that huh i would have done that if you just asked me to yeah (laughs) (laughs) you never said anything oh my god dude that's like where's she at do you know where she's at these days like what is she she write a fucking book so okay i I believe she's still alive but i'll get i'll get there because it's kind of funny so schaefer goes goes to trial 
for the murders in the fall of 1973. He's obviously found guilty and he's sentenced to serve two life sentences concurrent. So naturally he has like a thousand problems with this, right? Cause he's like, Oh, I've been framed. He, he maintained his innocence all the way to the end. So he files 20 appeals. I think it was like 19 or 20 appeals. They're all uniformly denied. Um, he later goes on to file like a dozen lawsuits against authors, F- FBI agents, and reporters for calling oh, him a serial great. killer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. We're going to be on his list. Kendra? You I know. Bring that on here for well, show. He's... For show when we're going to get sued by a fucking asshole in prison. From beyond the grave. He's dead. Oh, is he dead? That's yeah, right. That's he's right. He's dead. dead. <laughs> we're all good. Right, we're good. All right. All right. All right. And one of the things that he complained about was that his trial attorney, Elton Schwartz, um, was having an affair with his wife, which actually checks out because she filed for divorce from Schaefer in 73 and then married Schwartz the same year. So No way. Yeah, so they got married. Dude, what is up with this chick? Florida. Well, it's Florida, man. Dude, I Florida. Mean, seriously. Okay. Fair enough. That's, that's all Fair I can enough. say about that. So... <laughs> But um, anyway, he he maintained his innocence. W- one thing that I was reading a lot of was why didn't he was connected to 34 women who had been murdered. And I was like, why was he not brought up on these charges at all? Because he was only charged with Susan and George's murders. Um, right. And I read that the courts just thought, well, he's he's away for two life sentences. So he's fine. He's not going to hurt anybody else. We'll just, you know, kibosh the rest of them. But that didn't make sense to me. So I I was kind of digging around. And I think what it was, was when they were finding these women, they were so badly, they were like skeletal remains. There was no DNA back then. And all they had to tie him to it was that he possessed some of their belongings, which I mean, between you and me, obviously it's like, yeah, he did that shit but you can't it's circumstantial in the eyes of the law and you can't just charge someone with something because you you think they did it obviously you have to get probable cause and especially with something as high profile as a serial killer like you really have to get your shit right so i think that they just didn't want to touch them because they were circumstantial and they didn't want to compromise the two actual murder cases that they could pin him with like don't worry don't like ruin what you already have yeah so that's what i think because that makes more sense to me but you'd think like maybe now in 2023 with all the true crime salutes and everything like that like that maybe they'd go back and try to i guess it doesn't matter because he's dead but i mean if my one of my children is murdered like i want the closure i don't want it to be an open case like i want it to be a closed case in the history books that this asshole did it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yes. know why, but I just feel like it would make me feel better. Yeah. Well, it's the closure. It's like, okay, at least he's been attributed with it. Like there's yeah. someone to blame. There's someone to like, it's somewhat of a justice. Like it's like his name is that more tarnished. Right. Exactly. A difference. Exactly. And, and back then at the time, you know, I was, I was also thinking about this, you know, if, if they did bring him up on these charges and it was circumstantial, um, the jury would have found him not guilty if it even made it that far. So now, like, on record, 
he's he didn't do this crime even though we all know yeah. that he did so that it's kind sense. of a catch-22 yeah but yeah. um so he he's in prison he's serving his time filing all his little lawsuits um he did an interview from prison in 1991 that's actually really interesting you can find it on youtube um it's like an hour long and it's actually a really good resource to watch if you want to get inside of his mind because he's like he's like laughing about everything the whole time and trying to like twist things around and blame victim blame and like all this crazy stuff he reminds me a lot of john wayne gacy like some serial killers are a little more um like Dahmer's one of them ed kemper where he's they're like yeah i did it this is why i should be in jail because i'm a monster and then there's like total sociopaths like john wayne gacy and and schaefer who are like the world's out to get me i'm just a nice guy that I'm just a good Catholic boy. I love God. And I don't know why this happened to me. And then they're just laughing about shit. Like, yeah, it's just really infuriating. So, (laughs) but he got, he got his, his end in, (laughs) in the Florida state prison, um, that where he was at, he was serving with another murderer by the name of Vincent Rivera. And this man, um, stabbed Schaefer to death in the eyes, like just went ham on this guy. And they say it's because of a over, it was over an argument over a cup of water. That's what, (laughs) which is hilarious because it's like this absolute like demon in a meat suit who thinks that he's God's gift and he's so cool dies over a cup of water. It's just, it's hilarious to me. (laughs) So with another psychopath that he's locked up with, you know? Yeah, Florida man kills Florida man in prison type deal. Yep. Exactly. He died in 1995. In, well, I'm so glad prison, that on so. your first night here, it's a feel-good story at the end. Because yeah, exactly. if this asshole didn't have a good ending, I don't know that if I could go on. <laughs> I hate it when the bad guy wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, fuck this guy. Somebody, we, we had a lot of people in the chat tonight. Let me say hi to everybody real fast. You'll get to know these people, too. Will Cray, he's been around forever. By the way, if you got any single baddies out there that want to go to the beach, uh, Will Cray, single. <laughs> Met him. Met him. He's uh, from, I don't know, Minna, Minnesota, Minnetonka, whatever, somewhere up there, uh, Wyoming, something like that. And uh, he came down to one of our meetups. Really nice guy. Hard to believe that he's single. So uh, we've been trying to find him love in a hopeless place. <laughs> it's been months now. Um, even with our reach, we still can't get this guy love. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if like he's trying to like string him up over Dead Man's Tree or whatever. But um, <laughs> Or maybe we have found him girls. They've just gone missing since. Are we giving but, him uh, ideas? Uh, maybe. I mean. Uh, we've got <laughs> Captain Micah in the group. Thanks to Captain Micah, Jonathan, Blonde Beard. What's up, Blonde Beard? Uh, we've got Marines Bloodbath, TJR, Diesel Check, Bosco. Thank you guys so much, TJR, Captain. I saw a couple of super chats in there. Appreciate those guys. Last known president, what up? Thank you guys, Marines Blood again. Sarah K up in here. And then my old partner, Red, living in Michigan. She was on here. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us for night number uno uh, for Kendra J. Rama. Kendra, how did you think it went? Did you feel good about it? You like it? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoy. I love talking about this stuff, and I I could literally talk about this for hours. So I really yeah. enjoyed this a lot. Well, and- um, 
I'm excited to have you back on Tuesday. We'll work out the kink. Somebody said that her mic is a little loud. We'll get that dialed in for YouTube. Uh, listen, guys, we're per we are uh, not to make excuses, but producer lists. Both of our producers went on vacation the same last week before school starts, and so we're just trying to make it. Um, we're just trying to make it through the week. So uh, we'll get the we'll get the audio dialed in. Don't you guys worry about it. Tactical dude, thanks for being out there in the chats for us today, homie. Appreciate you. Um, and all the guys out there and girls. So we really appreciate it for all of our first responders work in the streets. We hope that you guys stay awake and stay safe and listen, uh, if you're a cop in Florida, let's not, uh, let's not do what this guy did. Let's try yeah. to be better. Let's try to be, yeah, let's do better. Try to be a better. What's, uh, what's going on with anti-hero? What you guys got going on this week before we go? Got any um, good guests coming up? This week, I think they're just, he's filming with Brent. So. It'll be a good yes. episode, though, because they're going to be addressing some of the recent rumblings that have been happening. So Right. So Brent, being the Delta Force operator, he's called out Rob O'Neill for may or may not have been the killer of uh, bin Laden. A lot of special operations guys um, in the community. I was in special operations for a long time. I've heard of these rumors. I've never heard of somebody substantiating them, but um, I actually reached out to a to a, another Delta operator that I know that's still current, um, and uh, and and he agrees with Brent as well. So I find that very interesting. So I will be looking forward to that to that story, and um, it's a good debate. But let's not take away at the end of the day, all these guys served our countries. Uh, in ways that none of us could ever imagine. And whether Rob O'Neill was the dude that shot Bin Laden in the face or not, he was still on the ground, on the raid, on the operation, one of uh, America's most heroic operations, if you will. And so our hats go off to all of you. It's just like WCW drama wrestling. You know what I yeah. mean? Like We love and respect all the characters, but sometimes we like to see them talk shit and go at each other's throats. So um, I'm sure it's all in some kind of a respect or another. And listen, I, I there's never been a time in the history of the military where an army dude wasn't shitting on a navy dude. Just I, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't <laughs> exist. So uh, it just comes with the game, and hopefully none of these guys are too big of pussies and take it too seriously and go too far with it on both sides. I want to see a nice, clean yeah. debate. That's what I want to see as a fan. Not that I might say I have a say in any of it, but as a fan, as like a a spectator. I want to see a good game fight here, guys. Like I want to see you tear each other's throats out, but I want I want it to be fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know I agree. I mean? Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, you've done a great job, uh, J Rama, Kendra Drama. Uh, do you want anybody following you on the Instagrams? Would you? Uh, would, would you want to? Where are you at sure. these days on socials? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Kendra Drama, J R A M A, not drama, like drama oh, for your mama. Yeah. yeah. J Rama. Yep, J-Rama. J-Rama. Kendra underscore um, drama. Yep. Uh, love it. And then uh, Anti-Hero Podcast. Make sure you head over there tonight. Don't wait. Go over there. Leave them a five-star rating review. Leave us a five-star rating review while you're there on the iTunes and the Spotify. Keep everybody trending on the charts. We want to be the number one channel where first responders go to be informed and entertained. From myself, Eric Tanzi, and Kendra J-Rama. Kendra Drama. Guns up and giddy up.